Does the first hundred days of President Biden's administration have you concerned? And is the political climate in the country conducive to collaborative agreements? Political setting is reflected by the people of this country, period. Don't talk politics. Talk policy. Jess Peterson with Western Sky Strategies joins us to talk about the first hundred days of the new administration on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And and if this is your first time catching our program, well, thank you for tuning in. We're here every Saturday at noon Eastern right here on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM, or your favorite podcast provider as we kick out a new episode every Wednesday afternoon. But in every episode, if you're new here, what we do is we go out, we try to pick a topic and go in depth on that topic to provide you with a good solid base of information that we hope will be very beneficial to you. Uh, I guess if you had to put it into scholastic terms and what we do, we cover everything from about animal science to plant science, range management to economics, ranch management to the occasional political topic as well, which coincidentally, our program today falls into that category of politics as Jess Peterson with Western Sky Strategies is back to join me and last November uh, in episode one we had just come off of the general election with Joe Biden elected as the next president of the United States and there was a lot of apprehension in what effects we would see the Biden administration would have on agriculture we had that conversation with Jess then we're going to do this again as we are now past the 100 day mark and we'll sit down with Jess Peterson to go over what we've seen take place and what we should be considering as we go forward. Also on our show today, the Captain Tim O'Byrne will stop by to give us his two cents and we'll talk with Mark Upton with Central Life Sciences on fly control. Tis tis the season, kind of one of those times as we're starting to see more warmer weather and I know for folks in the south, you've had uh, fly, fly problems probably a lot sooner in the year than we do up here in the north, but it is coming, we know. So we're going to hear some good information on on fly control from Mark Upton. And then finally, in our last segment, meteorologist Don Day will join us as we talk about our long-term weather, all of this in today's program on the Working Ranch Radio Show. But right now, a thank you to our sponsors for today's program, the American Simmental Association, as they work to provide ranchers pedigree knowledge with actual performance records and now adding in some very advanced genomics that in turn provides more predictability so that you can make management decisions that increase your bottom line, that increases your profitability as a rancher. Simgenetics, profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Also, Cattleman U, education and community for today's cattle producer. Join today and use the code RANCH for $50 off. Again, the code RANCH will get you $50 off. Check it out at CattlemanU.com. The American Hereford Association. Come home to Hereford. Performance Beef. Easy to use cattle management software. Beefmaster. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Find out more at Beefmasters.org. And finally, Central Life Sciences. Protect your cattle profits with Altacid IGR fly control products. 
Well, it's been a few years since I've been to Las Vegas for the National Finals Rodeo. I used to go quite a bit, but this year, as it's back after its one-year hiatus due to COVID, I'm inviting you to join me as I will be in Vegas this year, and everyone with Working Ranch Magazine will be there as well for the first-ever Working Ranch Expo that will be in uh, downtown at the Convention Center December 8th, 9th, and 10th. This event has been planned and designed just for the cattle producer in mind. It's right across from Cowboy Christmas. You're not going to miss it. And you know you're going to need something to do during the day. So make plans as you're headed to Vegas this year for the finals to join me for the Working Ranch Expo December 8th through the 10th. And if you're a business, there are still booths available. So to find out more, go to workingranchexpo.com. Well, let's check in now to see what the captain, Tim O'Burn, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine, has for us in this edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Radio Land. Justin, and then something like this comes along, and it reminds us what we're supposed to be doing here, and that is helping our neighbor and being nice and kind and doing the right thing. These folks advertised in this next June-July issue of Working Ranch Magazine for the first time, and I didn't really hear anything about them until now. Farm Rescue. Farm Rescue's mission is to help farmers and ranchers who have experienced a major illness, injury, or natural disaster by providing the necessary equipment and manpower to plant, hay, or harvest their crop. Livestock feeding assistance is also available to ranchers. Farm Rescue helps farm and ranch families in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Montana, Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas. This is incredible, folks, so I want you to check them out. Farmrescue.org. You can donate, you can volunteer, you can apply, you can sponsor. There's an auction here and you can shop and do all kinds of things. Folks, farmrescue.org. I know it's kind of around those central states there, but uh, a great, wonderful, wholesome idea like this can expand across the country and across the world. Farmrescue.org. Check them out. Justin, back to you. I know. You're going to have a great show today. Well, thanks, Captain. And speaking of Working Ranch Magazine, another great issue set to roll out here soon for the June-July issue. And if you don't have a subscription... I'll tell you, it is pretty easy to do. And then you, like many of others in the ranching industry that turn to one source for relevant and useful information and articles, well, you can also have the next issue headed your way. Easy to do. Go to workingranchmag.com, or you can give me a call. Text me here at the studio at 307-363-COWS, or shoot me an email as well, justin.workingranch at gmail.com, and I can point you in the right direction as well. Well, a new administration and talk of new policy. What do we do and how do we handle it? Jess Peterson with Western Sky Strategies joins me when we return right here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head 
period. Stand strong, Simmental. Successful cattlemen have a secret. They're always open to learning new ideas, and you can do that through Cattlemen U. Cattlemen U is an online community for beef producers or beginning farmers and ranchers who want to learn about agricultural marketing strategies, successful farm and ranch practices, futures markets, and more. Access new trainings from industry experts each month and network with members across the nation. Visit CattlemanU.com to sign up today and use code RANCH for $50 off at CattlemanU.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Well, each time that we have changes in the administration, then, of course, we also see policy changes. And it was just a little over six months ago when the country elected a new president. And as we are now just over 100 days into the new administration, do we have any real clear direction at which President Biden will head in regards to policies that affect agriculture and livestock production? Well, if we remember back, my very first episode as host of the Working Ranch Radio Show, I was joined by Jess Peterson with Western Sky strategies to provide us some insight as to what things may be potentially looking like in that new administration. So again, joining me today is Jess Peterson, who's the president and CEO of Western Skies Strategies. And I think it's important that you know a little bit about his background, because we're not talking with someone who's just kind of fresh off the old ranch and off the old farm and a rookie wet behind the ears as far as who he knows and what he knows what's going on back in D.C. In fact, for over a decade, Jess has specialized in executive management, strategies, consulting, and government relations for a number of clients focused on agriculture and natural resources. He and his team at Western Skies provide strategic consulting services that enable clients to manage and successfully navigate Congress, federal agencies, and the media. So Jess is someone that I feel has been in there, been in the beltway, knows what's going on. Now, in addition to his expertise in Washington, D.C., well, he's also a rancher. He and his wife, Laura, and their daughters manage a cattle herd that is part of Peterson Land and Livestock in uh, near Custer, Montana. So, Jess, first of all, thank you for joining me here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. And, Jess, we talked last November about what you anticipated the Biden administration to look like and what we may see in its effects in agriculture. You talked about him in his history being somewhat moderate. However, I'll tell you, starting day one in his administration, he hasn't given any signal of being a moderate. And I've heard it said that uh, really, and you could be this way with either either party, you campaign on some of the extreme issues, but then you lead more moderately. And I realize that, you know, we do need to be optimistic. But those of us here in the country, I'll tell you, I'm going to be honest, we're not feeling really optimistic about the direction that he has chosen to take. Well, Justin, listeners, thanks for, thanks for having me back after I showed that optimism after the last election. And that optimism is in the American people, and it stays in the American people. And I always think it's people being involved, people being exactly what we're doing here this morning, talking about policy, not getting involved in the politics, but talking about policy. So staying engaged, staying informed, and, and, and getting involved in, in, in your producer association, getting law, involved in your local chamber civic organization, but just, just, just being involved and knowing your elected officials. I was, uh, I was optimistic on the fact that, yes, uh, President Biden campaigned on, on, on you know, bringing the country together. I think there's been an obvious struggle in that. I think uh, some of the folks that are advising him kind of looked over these, these votes, and I think it's always disappointing when any candidate or any elected official 
uh, looks out and says, well, that's, that's a segment of folks we're just not going to push towards. We're going to push towards this segment because then you get that, you get that frustration. Um, and so in this case, you have a situation where uh, President Biden, Joe Biden knows how to, he, he knows how to broker a deal with the Senate. He knows how to broker a deal with the House. He knows how to move a deal. Uh, the problem is that when he looked at his where his vote count was, he looked at some of these these progressive voters across across the country, obviously mostly on the coastal regions, and said, "I have to tee up some of these issues." Or his advisor said, "I got to tee up those issues." So what you're seeing is a combination of that minutia that comes out extremely frustrating. Again, not speaking from cattle, but if we're just looking at override, you know, any of this conversations about uh, climate over the top, right? Where we're getting excessive regulation, stopping Keystone. It is kind of amazing, interesting how fate. I always say just keep your eye on the ball. Uh, actually, don't keep your eye on your, the feet, right? The ball might move, but don't watch the footwork, right? And you just saw what happens when a pipeline goes down. It's kind of a big deal. Pipelines all of a sudden, even even the folks that uh, like to, uh, to to hammer on pipelines had to say good things about pipelines this past week. I always mm-hmm. say if, if folks just – and we agree on this, Justin, when – when someone loses a little bit, they change their attitude pretty quick, right? When their food food supply gets uh, threatened, they change their attitude. When their fuel supply gets changed, uh, maybe there'll be some attitudes changed. There are no no promises. So where are we at? Um, you know, the first hundred days, uh, President Biden teed up, um, and, and they are looking at kind of an FDR style agenda. That he, he he looks, he brings in, as you know, the historians uh, mm-hmm. uh, into the White House to talk about previous presidents and, and how he can uh, map all that out. I, I think we're probably leaning on this was my uh, not frustration, but if I would have advised President Trump, I'd say stop doing so many executive orders. He, he did a boatload of them. Uh, because Congress is working, and we can get into that here in a little bit. Um, and so President Biden did what you know did what his predecessors done, did what Obama did. That again wasn't wasn't a good course, and that is uh, doing an executive order because you're going to annoy, you know, you're going to win over whatever that fifty to forty nine percent are going to be happy, and then you're going to have that forty nine forty eight percent extremely annoyed. So you got to get away from the executive order. So we had several executive orders come out, and now you're seeing kind of his legislative agenda that he outlines. Uh, in, in the recent um, State of the Union to, to, to Congress, and so now you kind of get into this. You know, it's kind of like getting a, getting a horse. You, you, you know, you bought them up the up at the neighbor's ranch, or you bought them at the horse sale. You looked, you know, maybe a different look in the arena. Now you're putting them out in the ranch. You're going to see how he's operating. Now we're going to see how does Biden work or not work with the Congress. A lot of things that you're going to see teed up from here on out will require congressional uh, interaction and involvement. So really look for uh, how this plays out. You're looking at his new infrastructure package. Uh, it's not lost on me that it's not Bernie Sanders in the room. It's not AOC in the room. Uh, it's Joe Manchin. It's Kristen Cinema. It's John Tester. It's these moderates and these centrists that are the ones that, hey, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. And so that's where I think it's kind of unique. So again, look at the footwork there. Uh, look to see where those angles are. If you know if your listeners in West Virginia, Montana, uh, Arizona, Minnesota, they have a, they have a key role because these those are still states where uh, there's 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 that voter there's that swing voter there's that mm-hmm. there's that epic swing voter that every candidate every campaign dreams about and they'll swing vote and so that 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 matters. So again, focus on the policy, focus on the footwork. Yeah, the ball might fake and move around. That we'll see some of this progressive stuff come out. Uh, I'm a little nervous about where we're at, but I'm extremely optimistic in, uh, in staying the course and pushing back the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I know one of the concerns as a new administration takes over is who is going to be chosen to fill some of the cabinet positions and into those departments that do affect agriculture. Now, in the Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack being chosen, he was the former uh, Secretary of Agriculture for the Obama administration, uh, former governor of Iowa, so definitely from a very agricultural base with, with Tom Vilsack. We know what we have there. I think there was some real apprehension with the Secretary of Interior and Deb Holland out of New Mexico when uh, one, some of the things that she has specifically said she wants to focus on is environmental justice and climate change. So as these changes take place in leadership, it does create some angst by those of us here in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and anytime you, you break into when you're talking cattle production, you it's it, and it's why it's so important for folks to, to stay informed because there are a lot of issues coming at you. And again, obviously, I'm biased in joining U.S. Cattlemen's, but join Farm Bureau, join Farmers Union, jo- join those other groups out there. That, that's just fine. Just get get involved because we do. And so you mentioned that if you're in the public land side of things, absolutely, you're going to be a little anxious with uh, with Secretary Holland. I, I have you know I know some of our folks going in the administration. So I, I again. Uh, I speak respectful just just for my uh, my 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 urban friends couldn't believe I could say good things about folks working in the Trump administration. I, and now my rural friends can't believe I say good things about the Biden administration. Said, look, I, I focus on the policy. There's just there's just no doubt about it. And so when you look at the Holland administration, uh, there will there will need to be a, a certain level of uh, communication uh, there and 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 ensuring these priorities and ensuring they don't go up the top. But I'm very very hard and very inspired by yes, we have Secretary Holland and in, 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 in we're still and it's still very, very early on. So yes, those folks are going in there. Huge impact on public lands should some of these directions uh, or some of these directives go in the wrong direction. But Bureau of Land Management, the National Bureau of Land Management Director nominee is from Montana, Tracy Stone Manning. Uh, Tracy Stone Manning has reached out to ranchers since her days and uh, Governor Bullock uh, from Montana's administration. She's worked at National Wildlife Federation. I will sincerely say to anyone, I, Tracy Stone Manning will, is, is someone that we can talk to, is we can work with, we can explain uh, a potentially bad deal coming out uh, of the administration. Uh, so, again, I think we're, we're good there. If, if, if she gets through that confirmation, she's been appointed by the White House. She hasn't been confirmed. I can't say enough good things about a Tracy Stone Manning that she can be kind of, I don't want to say our advocate, but can be our voice to maybe help clarify upwards to Secretary Holland or the White House. In addition, I mean, you're seeing good appointments all over the place. A uh, rancher from South Dakota, Zach Duchino, is now the uh, Farm Service Agency Administrator, right? So you have a rancher literally right in the uh, Biden administration, and, and Zach's doing an incredible, incredible job. So there's some good folks in there. Uh, we just we just got to keep our, our eye on the feet. Uh, don't, don't, don't go for the ball fakes. And make sure we uh, we work with these work with them, and then if there's any disagreements, be ready to to weigh in with Congress. We're going to take a break here, and Jess, when we come back, I would like for you to give us your opinion on a couple issues that we need to be watching for with the Biden administration that would have an effect on agriculture. We'll be back with more after this. Shh, hear that. It's a quiet, easy-handling Hereford cow. That's right. No broken fences, no busted gates, no injured people. Herefords lead the way in the silent traits and fertility. Studies show they increase profitability by more than $51 per cow per year. At the same time, that's real money and real results. Isn't it time for you to come home to Hereford? Learn more at Hereford.org. 
Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we're joined by Jess Peterson with Western Skies Strategies. And Jess, before the break, you were talking about the analogy of not taking the ball fakes and not being caught or distracted with some of the extreme topics that get floated out through the media that kind of creates a stir within us. But what do you think are two or three issues that we in the cattle business really need to be focused on in regards to dealing with the Biden administration as it moves forward? So definitely, definitely be watching. Um, I, I think folks for years have talked about a state tax reform. Uh, we, we've got a, um, a version of that, an exemption in the Obama administration with Republican-led Congress. Of course, Biden negotiated that deal. That was a pretty good deal. Obviously, uh, Trump and the Republican uh, majority, President Trump and the Republican majority came through with a, with a really, really uh, strong estate tax deal, right? And everyone was high-fiving. But here's, again, why folks need to stay involved. That expires in 2025, okay? So e- even all the euphoria only last up until 2025. Now, I've had these conversations in the hallways of Washington. Do we separate that ag exemption from the larger estate tax? I, I don't know. These are questions we need to ask because every five years, uh, we have a heart attack about having a heart attack, right? Like what happens mm-hmm. if we have something in the family, extremely unfortunate, a heart attack, and we're forced to double pay? That should not have to happen, especially now. Prices of land, investment, estate tax on your ranch, should not be something that keeps you up at late at night. And so, but should it be combined with something where a large corporation is taking a lot of benefit? I'm not there to say, but I can mm-hmm. tell you, I can tell you as we're working on in, um, things to in, influence the cattle market. And I just had someone say, why don't you team up with the Chamber of Commerce and the consumer groups? Why would you ask some other association to fix your problems? Go fix your problems. I think agriculture can figure that out right now, right? Mm-hmm. We need to figure out how to get this cattle market mined out. And you're going to talk about that here in the weeks ahead with this historic meeting that took place. If, if we look at a state tax, maybe it's time we peel it off and focus on the agriculture exemption. The mm-hmm. powers in the North, Senator Barrasso, Senator Thune, uh, you got a lot of power in the North right now. Maybe you use it. Uh, you don't need, you know, urban or coalitions to just jump up there and say that. So again, think about how you want to handle ag exemptions to the estate tax for the long term. I know every, there's this bill introduced, it's estate tax reform, but it's across the board. Is that the solution? Every five years, folks, we keep having our hair on fire. So again, I'm not advocating one or the other. I'm reflecting, and if folks want to have that additional conversation, come right over and let's do that. So climate change has to be another issue that we're going to have to be on top of and have some involvement in, uh, especially when we hear potential things being floated out like the 30 by 30 and the concern on really what the intentions are of that, but really just in general and how they plan to infuse policy as they try to address their concerns in climate change. Obviously, climate's a big deal. You've done a great job with bringing the climate conversation out there. A lot of confusion around 30 by 30. Look, the uh, nominated undersecretary that's uh, uh, in point, running point there, Robert Bonney. Again, if you're to talk to Robert, I know Robert very, very well. He's, he's got a beautiful horse farm out in Virginia. Uh, he believes in the fact that agriculture is part of the solution. Now, if you read through 30 by 30, I know my friends out there are a little nervous, a little apprehensive. Yes, they are. But if we sit down with the undersecretary, the acting or the nominated undersecretary and say, look, here's how we'll work with you. Cattle complement the carbon cycle. Everyone knows that. Robert knows that. 
can he get through the hubris? My gosh, U.S. Calvin's, we're going to be sitting down with Doc, with the undersecretary, Robert Bonney, saying, you know, Cal Carbon went the carbon cycle. How can we work within those confines to do that? But without, without any type of land grabs or any of that type of nonsense, we we're all on the phone. This folks, NCBA was in the room having this conversation. Farm Bureau is having that conversation. I hear a lot about why aren't you all working together? I can guarantee you, I might have disagreements with NCBA on country origin labeling and on the cattle market, mm-hmm. but we have a similar vision for 30 by 30. Don't turn it into a land grab and make sure that you focus on cattle complementing the carbon cycle. And we're going to work through that. So there's some positive notes there. In addition to that, kind of trying to figure out where, you know, where we're going with this, with this larger infrastructure plan. People talk about the CARES dollars that came out in this last package, and we might need to settle some of those dollars down so some of our working folks can get back to work, right? We, we need a workforce that's incentivized to go back to work with a paycheck uh, and not a program check. Well, Jess, let's take a break here, because when we come back, there's a couple issues that I believe could have immediate effects to the bottom line or the profitability for us in business. And I want to talk about those when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. If you could do something today that would bring you a profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds, naturally, to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today profit tomorrow. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and today my guest is Jess Peterson with Western Sky Strategies, and we've been discussing what we've seen so far in the Biden administration as we just now over 100 days into that administration, and then what does it look like as we go forward? But Jess, while I know this program, we target for cattle producers, but really uh, in any business, which ranching is a business, Optimism fades really fast when we start seeing changes being made in policy or executive orders that affects the bottom line, that affects the profitability. And there are two areas that come to mind when I think of this that I think is important or could have immediate effects in the ranching industry. Number one, fuel prices. And the second thing would be these interest rates. I would say that as as President Biden looks at this, he's going to look at everyone's just, it's just seared in everyone's minds, double digit interest rates. No one wants to go there. And I, you know, we might even debate, you know, if I had bankers in the room, they might be saying, well, gosh, that interest rate could go up just a touch right now. Again, I'm, I'm a rancher. We, we don't want to have zero or lower, right? So I'm not, I'm not going to say, I mean, we, we need every decreased number we possibly can on, when it comes to interest rates. Uh, but everyone's acutely aware of that. It, it, folks do not want to go back to double digit, let alone high single digit interest rates. Uh, gas lines that, that tank the Carter administration presidency. So I, I think there's this awareness of, yeah, some of this touchy feely stuff that we put out that, yes, we can be focused about improving uh, the carbon cycle for our planet. Absolutely. Ranchers, we figured that out years ago. If, if the world wants to get on board, yes, let's find ways to be creative, incentivize, don't penalize. But again, I'm staying optimistic in the fact that as some of these things increase, I think they're going to look out there and say, "What? What? We, let's not repeat uh, Carter's policies and things of that nature. And that's, a, that's what we're going to check on here in the next 100 days to see if I've really missed the boat on that or not. Mm-hmm. 
Jess, this next question really isn't on the confines of what we've been talking about in regards to analyzing the first 100 days of President Biden's administration. But I, I honestly think that people have, have really lost faith that there can be collaboration between parties that does produce effective legislation or policy. And really, just at a loss, personally, about the absolute hypocrisy that we are seeing in both parties that is producing dysfunction in our legislative branch. So my question is this, have we lost the ability to see collaboration amongst our congressional delegation to see things getting done in Washington, D.C.? And let's even take it further down into our state and even our local governments. You know, and again, I'm speaking on behalf of Jess Peterson of Western Skies. I'm not speaking on behalf of any organization. So I use this for anyone to say, well, I'm, I'm frustrated. Say, no, this is, this, is, this, is, this is a very direct conversation we're having. I appreciate this forum uh, very much. Um, the political setting is reflected by the people of this country. The political setting is reflected by the people of this country. Period. Uh, if folks want to do this, then start tomorrow. Find that Democrat. Find that urban person. Don't talk politics. Talk policy. Talk about how it's your greatest pride and joy to put food on their table. It's your greatest pride and joy to keep nasty wildfires from polluting the air by doing a targeted grazing plan. Talk to those individuals. Don't talk. I have heard more people come up to me. And again, I have the blessing and the curse, right, of being in an urban environment and a rural environment and having friends that are very, very passionate about their their politics and their view of the world but i just i i just refuse to get in that space don't don't spend time in the conflict space spend time in the collaborative space so folks across working ranch radio uh listeners Mm -hmm. find that urban person find that democrat and say hey you know what i just want to let you know here's what we're trying to do out here and how do we make it work and i think what's what's happening right now is 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 anyone that's turning on? If you're not if you're not listening, if you're not watching an ag, you're listening, get your news from Ag Trade Publication, Wall Street Journal, Working Ranch Radio. You're just you're part of the problem. You're clicking on the news at night. You're watching CNN or Fox, and you're angry. Then you go to the town hall and you spew the talking points, the left or the right. American people are smarter than that. You're better than that. My gosh, all of you are working hard. Uh, you're 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 that makes this economy function. Have that conversation with. You know, find someone in AOC's district and say, hey, you're a congresswoman. I, we, we'll compliment the, the carbon cycle all day long, but you've got to get away from your, your vision of the world. And how can we come together? So, again, I think thinking that the politi- politicians are going to keep coming back and reflecting the way we, uh, we talk at them. There's not a lot like it's like raising a family. Your, your kids are going to be a lot like how you run your household until we start getting our household a little more respectful amongst our own peers. I think that will change the rhetoric in Washington. There's a lot of positives for agriculture and for beef as we come out of the COVID pandemic. You've mentioned it. I've had guests in previous episodes here on the show have made that same statement. Very strong demand. However, there are still some marketing concerns in our industry. And do we see the congressional delegates from these agriculture states cooperatively trying to work together? I have seen, I got to tell you, I've been doing this. uh, uh, Well, I keep these years keep ticking up on me, but nearly 20 years what I have seen the rise of, what I've seen the rise of that really inspires me is I have seen bipartisan leadership in agriculture like I've never seen. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the fact that when I was on the, doing a, an interview with Bloomberg the other day talking about the markets, 
I, I said, look, there's stuff that come, coming out of the Trump administration that we're working on with the Biden administration that actually goes back to the Obama administration. And we've got Democrats and Republicans alike on this cattle market legislation. The solution is in the countryside. It always has been. I have seen more ranchers stand up and say, I don't care what your politics are. Here's where our policy is at. And we're going to work with you. And it has been incredible. So not that I'm extremely biased, but maybe I am. If if the country, if, if Congress reflected the countryside a little bit more and the countryside just showed what they could do in those rare instances, and we made that more of a normal than, 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 the, than the one in a million. Oh, I couldn't believe they got together on that issue. We need to show that we can do more of that. Well, Jess, I think that's a good way to end here as we're ending on the idea of collaboration, working together for the benefit of our ag industry. But I do want to thank you for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Jess Peterson with Western Sky Strategies has been my guest. And I just want to add a few more comments here. Jess had alluded earlier to not letting the ball fakes, those being some of these extreme issues floated out by the progressives, get our heads up and off the focus of what we need to be focused on in working with this administration. So I want to carry that analogy out a little bit further and use the game of basketball as an example of how these next four years can play out. And I want to start by giving you a real-life example, and I'll set the stage with this. Last year, my two boys played basketball for our little high school right here in Upton. Now, we're not a big school. There's only about 60 or 70 in the high school. And this year, there were about seven guys that rotated evenly through regular playing time on the varsity. And here's the deal. The average height of those guys, about five foot nine inches. And we know, if you know the game of basketball, five foot nine inches is not the optimal height for the game of basketball. So practically every team we played was bigger than us. On several occasions, we'd play these bigger schools. The first quarter would always be close. Second quarter, up to halftime, could even be close. But as we moved into the second half, things uh, we, we began to, to kind of get our steam mounted back up. And it didn't mean we had the victory in the bag as we continue to have to play the game out. But they would always find ways to pull ahead and actually come away with some very impressive wins over teams much larger in size than they were. Now, the example I want to share here is this. And first, let me preface this statement. I am not trying to trivialize the importance or the concern we have whenever you feel as though someone or something could be impeding on your livelihood. But here's where we are. We're in the first quarter of this new administration. And like it or not, we can sit around and bellyache about why we have to play this game and who rigged the tournament bracket so that Biden won. You know, we're not going to get into that issue. That ship has sailed. And like Jess said, we have to focus on the policies and not the politics. Or in this example of the game of basketball, let's focus on the play and our offense and our defense, not the color of our uniforms. But as we start playing the first quarter, each team begins to learn about the other, their strengths, their weaknesses. The team that appears to be the bigger and the stronger team shows its dominance after one quarter of play. They're in the lead, and the second quarter plays out. The bigger team doesn't really pull ahead as the smaller team begins to now realize it has to be strategic in playing with these guys. Stay focused and do what we do and do it well. And as we know, just winning one quarter of a game does not win you the entire game. So as the second half of this game plays out, the team can stay, the team that can stay the course and not get rattled by the other team 
honestly, is usually the team that pulls ahead and wins the game. And and by winning the game here in this analogy, I'm not talking about that we're stomping them in the dirt and trying to demoralize them. We're winning the game in this example means that we have protected our livelihood by reaching an understanding that's going to last for years to come and is respected. For me, this is how I have to look at where we are and how we are in the ranching industry and needing to look for the next few years. Am I concerned about what I've seen so far come out of Washington? Absolutely. I am very concerned. But do I try to follow up and fight every extreme progressive idea that gets floated out of the media, so-called the ball fakes, as we talked a little bit about a bit ago? I don't think so. I think in the ranching industry, we're going to have to pick two to three topics that we can be passionate about and that we as an industry can be united over and collectively stand behind within our industry and and standing behind what we do and why we do it. We in agriculture, we have nothing to be ashamed of, and it's time now to step up and add a good offense to this defense that we've had for many years. By the way, the rest of the story on that little team of high schoolers that I used as an example to start off with, well, they lost the first game of the season, and then they played 20 more consecutive games without a single loss, and bringing back to our little town of Upton, Wyoming, the first ever state boys basketball title we have to be realistic about what we need to do going forward and while over optimism can get us into precarious positions being pessimistic gets you absolutely nowhere we'll be back with more on the working ranch radio show after this Do you know your break-even for every group of cattle on feed? Performance beef users have quick access to real-time, accurate data. The technology simplifies feeding to financial data, making it easy to generate real-time closeouts, update rations, or analyze performance trends all in one place. Your feed, financial, and health information are integrated in one easy-to-use platform accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we're going to switch gears here a bit now and talk on an animal health issue, and it's one that every cattle producer manages for, and that's fly control. And joining me now is Mark Upton, Director of Sales for Feed Additives for Central Life Sciences out of South Central Oklahoma. And Mark, uh, as we move into these summer months, we're still kind of in the spring time of the year. Uh, fly control is definitely something that a lot of folks put a lot of focus on. And I want to first talk about what are the physical impacts that these horn flies are causing to the animal? I know, you know, just generally a lot of us are around livestock. We see the flies on the on the livestock. We've, we've been around it. We understand there's there's some impacts. But really, when you get down to it, what's really going on there? Well, that's a great question, and I think the reason that question is so important to know the answer to is because as cattle owners, and I am still as well, uh, a lot of people just don't realize the damage that these flies are doing. Uh, If left unchecked, if we don't do anything to control these flies, we can get as many as two or 3,000 horn flies on a cow, and that is the most um, uh, economically uh, devastating fly for pastured cattle. If you don't do anything for them, they are blood feeders. And so we need to understand that first. All they feed on is blood. And so you're spending money to put weight on cows or get a cow to breed back or to grow a calf or to milk a calf. 
And, and instead of doing all that up to her um, abilities, she's replenishing blood on her back. So you're putting all that into the cow. The fly is removing that blood and, and you're having to put all that nutrition in her so that she can first replenish her blood supply before she can do any of those other things. And if you're not careful, it's very easy for those flies to remove in, uh, in certain parts of the country as much as a gallon of blood in a fly season. And that could be even more than that. And you get further south where the fly days are much, uh, you know, there's more, more days in the, in the year where they have fly issues. It could be as many as two gallons of blood. So they are terribly devastating in terms of growth potential. The other thing that they like to do is in the hot part of the day, those flies are going to migrate to the belly of a cow and, and they'll feed on those teat ends. Uh, it's very, very common for a cow to develop staph or E. coli in that teat end and cause them to get a bad quarter. Um, we know through a lot of dairy work that a, uh, that a cow is not nearly as productive when she's not functioning on four full quarters uh, to nurse that calf. Mm-hmm. Mark, a lot of folks across the country, myself included, going to be battling against drought conditions this year. And as a producer, really, we're trying to mitigate the stress on a cow during a drought. How do we handle fly control in these drier conditions? Now, I will say this. Flies or insects in general have to have moisture and warm weather in order to survive. So when you get in a drought the year, that will help to control some flies. It's not a fly control program and you're still going to have flies, but it is easier to control them. When you have lots of moisture, you grow lots of grass, but you also have a lot of insects as well. And, and quite frankly, I'd rather have a lot of moisture, a lot of grass, and a lot of flies, and I'll figure out how to control the flies versus having to fight a drought. Um, but still, a lot of producers just don't do anything to control those flies. And it's just economically devastating. There's a lot of research out there that would say, if you do nothing to control horn flies on your cows, it could cost up to $40 per cow in terms of economic losses. Well, it's easy to spend four to six bucks uh, to employ a strategy to control those flies and put the rest of those dollars in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the elements that we can control that, and it's done through the feed, so it's a real easy way for application without necessarily having to run these livestock through through a chute or do anything like that. But that is doing something that has IGR in it. Yeah, we, we've actually have two products that we use as feed-throughs. One is, is designed more for confined animals, and that would be called Clarify. We have a product that we recommend for pasture cattle called Altacid IGR, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're putting it out in free-choice mineral or in tubs or in liquid feed, and the, the cow comes to it. They ingest it. We're using a cow just as a mechanism. They're taking it in the mouth and putting it out the back end because they, I said, well, go, these flies only feed on blood, but they also only lay their eggs in manure. And so by putting it into the manure, when that fly gets there, lays the egg, uh, that egg begins to mature. Uh, it feeds on that, uh, on that altacid product and prevents them from becoming an adult. So it's, it's low maintenance. It works really well. It's very effective. Uh, and it's also very cost effective. Mark, you mentioned this control happening in the manure pat through the larvae. So how does this affect dung beetles? Because in a healthy grazing environment, we want to keep a healthy biology in our soil. Oh, I tell you, dung beetles are so important. And there's so many parts of the country today that dung beetles are just non-existent. And it's really a shame. Uh, no, Altusa does not uh, negatively affect dung beetles at all. Uh, it's it's not not going to be an issue. And we're we're very proud of that fact. 
Mark, what about timing and the use of fly control products? If you're in the southern part of the country, you've probably been fighting these flies a little bit longer than those of us up in the northern tier. And while there may be optimal times for fly management, how does timing play into a management plan for fly control? So as as far as timing goes with using any type of fly control uh, product, but especially with the feed through, we would recommend that you get started just ahead of the fly season. It only takes a few days of 60 degree weather and those flies are going to pop out. Now in the springtime, it may get warm for a few days and they get cold for a few days before it warms back up and it will slow them down. But still just a few days of 60 degree weather and you've got fly issues. So we want you to get started early. By the same token, you need to stay very uh, diligent about whatever fly control program you're using until a good hard killing frost. The flies you're going to see in the spring of 2022 are flies that carried over from 2021. So you want to stay very diligent until a good hard killing frost and then quit whatever fly control program you're on. Now we get questions every year. It's out June, June 1st or July 1st. And somebody says, well, it's too late. I, you know, I, I just have to wait and get started next year. No, that's not true at all. There's no reason for those cows to be suffering any longer. So again, whatever fly control strategy you're going to use, start that day and start knocking down those adults. Because what you're going to see is you're going to get better fly control in year two than you did in year one and better in year three than you did in year two because you are beginning to control those immatures that are in that manure pad. So get started the day you cry uncle, get started on something to knock those adult flies down. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us here on our program. And as I said at the beginning of our conversation, flies are something we all deal with if we're in the cattle business. So before you head out here, some final comments from you in regards to just some advice for producers as they're contemplating effective fly control management in their operation. Oh, probably the only thing I would say is, is just looping back in that um, whether, whether a producer chooses to use Althacid to try to prevent horn fly populations or other methods. The first challenge is realize that flies are a problem and do something to control them. Do something to keep those fly numbers down. Uh, Your cows are going to appreciate it, and I can assure you they'll benefit your pocketbook if you'll make them more comfortable. Mark Upton, Director of Sales for Feed Additives for Central Life Sciences, joining us on our program today as we go a little bit more in-depth on a fly control management program and understanding what the little critters are doing on our on our livestock out there and why it's important to have a management program in your operation. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Altacid IGR, you can ask your local feed supplier or also go to the website at www.altacidigr.com. Again, that website is www.altacidigr.com to find out more. Well, stay with us. Up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us. We're going to talk our long-term weather outlook and some areas of the country that are going to see some extreme moisture here in the next couple of weeks. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM. The Beefmaster excels in all maternal traits. They get bred easily, year in and year out. They make raising good calves look easy and possess excellent longevity, not breaking down in tough environments. 
Research shows the breed ranks above others for feed efficiency, one of the most important production traits. If your cow herd has lost its ability to adapt, maybe it's time to rebuild with proven Beefmaster females. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do at beefmasters.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day. And Don, in our program last week, we talked about the cooler-than-average weather that we had seen across many portions of the country. And as we began to look ahead into the end of May, first part of June, do we see our weather making any drastic changes, or is it going to kind of stay fairly moderate? Well, it looks like we're not going to just jump in the summer right away. And we've had springs like that in the past to where, like, someone flips a switch. All of a sudden, you're into some very warm summertime conditions. But for a large part of the nation, from the Rockies east into the Midwest and through the Great Lakes, that's been an area of coolness really since April. And we saw that continue through the month of May. And as we go into uh, early June... It looks like temperatures are going to be on a fairly even keel across the United States, meaning uh, we're going to sort of ease ourselves into a summer pattern. Now, as we get to the latter part of May and into early June, I do have a little bit of good news for some parts of Canada and some parts of the northern part of the U.S. that uh, are suffering some dryness right now. It does look like there could be a period of weather as the jet stream migrates more north as it should this time of year. We're going to see a more active pattern of showers and thunderstorms across parts of the northern Rockies and the northern plains and into the prairie provinces of Canada. So this would be North Dakota, parts of South Dakota, many areas of Montana, perhaps maybe even areas of northern Wyoming back into parts of the Pacific Northwest. At the end of May into early June, I do see a wet period. So that'll be good news for those areas because the northern areas of the country, including the Great Basin and areas west of the Divide, have been the driest this spring. Ironically, in in relation to what you just said there with that part of the country being dry, earlier this week, Don, the captain, Tim O'Byrne, shared with me a story coming out of the Klamath Basin area that the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation saying that it will not release water this season into the main canal that feeds quite a bit of that massive Klamath Reclamation project. This marking, I think uh, he was telling me this is the first time in 114 years that that irrigation system will not be releasing water into that main canal. So that in itself is going to affect a huge amount of farmers, ranchers down into California, Northern California. But as we get into this time of the year, it's also not really the time of the year where they're going to expect to see much for moisture. No. And unfortunately, you know, once you get um, a little ways in the June, it gets really hard for parts of central uh, and even Northern California to even get rain because they're entering their dry season. Um, And so the, Bad snowpack in the central and northern Sierras this year, uh, combined with the fact uh, that that was not a good snowpack year in 2020. You know, they've had two years in a row back and back in California with below average precipitation. And I know we've probably talked about this too much, but I, I keep going back to how important La Nina is and how that is the dry pattern. And a two-year La Nina has really hit the Sierra Nevada of California and, and Nevada hard, and as well as the southern parts of that Pacific Northwest. Um, unfortunately, it's really hard in June and July in that part of the country to get a lot of natural rainfall 
uh, to help out those irrigators. So going from extreme drought to now areas that are going to see extensive moisture, where do you foresee that happening here in the next couple of weeks across the country? Yeah, that that is something that we do see developing in the south-central areas of the United States. Uh, We've seen a a feed of subtropical moisture into portions of uh, central and eastern Texas, central and eastern areas of Oklahoma, as well as areas of eastern Kansas, and into parts of Missouri, uh, to where they have been getting a lot of rain uh, during the month of May. And I think as they we go into early June, if there's going to be a part of the United States where they would like the rain to maybe pull back a little bit, it's going to be in the western part of that, that Gulf Coast and some of the south-central areas of the United States. Uh, so that's one area where we've got the opposite problem. All right. Well, Don, thank you for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. Meteorologist Don Day joining us regularly here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. We thank him for doing that. By the way, his daily video podcasts come out every morning, Monday through Friday. You can find that at dayweather.com. A thank you to my other guests as well for joining me on the show. Mr. Jess Peterson with Western Skies Strategies, as well as the captain, Tim O'Byrne. And finally, Mark Upton with Central Life Sciences as we talked on fly control today. A thank you to our sponsors, the American Simmental Association. Sim Genetics is providing profitability to the rancher. Profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Cattlemen U, education and community for today's cattle producers. Join today and use the code RANCH for $50 off. Find out more at CattleU.com. The American Hereford Association, come home to Hereford. Performance beef, easy to use cattle management software. And Beefmaster, nothing beats a Beefmaster. Find out more at beefmasters.org. And finally, Central Life Sciences, protect your cattle profits with Altacid IGR fly control products. If you have questions, ideas for topics on the show you'd like me to cover, please do get a hold of me. You can call me or text the studio at 307-363-COWS or shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. Join us each and every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.